SAFM, leading the conversation. Nothing conventional on the viewpoint. on SAFM. Absolutely, guys. Welcome to the show. Good evening to you, Mr. Matthew Park. Uh, good evening. Thank you for having me. Excellent. The Congress of African Trade Unions has joined the call for government to scale down to level three as soon as possible. Kosato has further said the COVID-19 pandemic had deepened the economic crisis with restrictions on several businesses. While Labor Union is calling on the reopening of economic activities and workplaces, there are, of course, several companies that have seen protest action for not being able to provide employers and employees with PPEs. Can corporate South Africa, therefore, with the losses brought by the lockdown, afford an era of litigation due to employers contracting the coronavirus at work? Is corporate South Africa ready to open up shop and still ensure the health and safety of all its employees and clients? Worse, are South Africa's blue-collar workers, the majority of whom are COSATO members, protected? Your thoughts, Matthew Park. Yeah, no, thanks very much. Um, look, we haven't made a formal call yet on government to move from level four to level five. What we've been consistently saying, and we're still engaging with our affiliate units to get their mandate, their views, but what we've been saying is that we need to protect workers' lives, the lives of their families as well. But equally, we must protect workers' jobs. So we need to protect both lives and jobs. Mm. Um, I think all of us are feeling in the dark to an extent, be it government, be it business, be it labor, yes. even economists. Um, this is all new territory for all of us. So we will be guided by the health and the science reports to say when, when can we move and so on. But I think we must also be honest and say as much as we need to protect lives, we must also protect jobs. Um, we cannot run an economy forever on the unemployment insurance fund. Workers need to be earning a salary. Mm. After the lockdown, they need to have jobs back to, to feed their families. So I think for us, our understanding of the shutdown <clears throat> and moving from level five to four and to three, etc., has always been about buying time for all of us to, to prepare for living the new normal. Mm. So that we go to work with our um, cloth masks, we have social distancing at work, we've got the PPEs at work. We have um, shift systems at work or at schools. We've got screening and sanitizing, etc. So I think for us, that's what we need to spend our energies on. Mm. Um, we think many employers and government have not moved fast enough. We cannot simply just sit on our laurels and we somehow expect miracles to happen. Yes. We have no control over when COVID-19 will be defeated. It could be in a year's time. So we really need to ramp up our health and safety measures so that we can get back to reopening the economy in mm. a safe and responsible manner. Mm. You know, you mentioned something which is critical. We had an opportunity through this lockdown to buy ourselves time, and perhaps we even had more time to buy when it was still in China and Europe and migrated itself to the U.S. before it really entrenched itself on the African continent. In the context of buying time, how much time do we really have? I ask this because of this, for instance. A couple of weeks ago, I had a conversation (laughs) with the Deputy Secretary General of SATU, speaking about the 14 demands that they had for the protection of their teachers to go back into the workspace, being the classroom, essentially. Outside those 14 guarantees being met or something manageable for them to then satisfy their members would be reasonably safe to go back to the classroom. They were not prepared to go back to the workplace. Now, a lot of South Africa's questions about buying time are not necessarily going to be solved today (coughs) or tomorrow. Think about public transport. South Africa's public transport system 
doesn't quite fit with the demands of social distancing in COVID-19, given the costs, time, and numbers at play. Think of any particular industry that is labor-intensive. Social distancing and South Africa's economy really isn't built around social distancing. Even the services economy, it's largely still face-to-face, and slowly the migration is now being made because of first forced circumstances going online. And even then, it will have its teething problem for the near future as opposed to the very short term and no beyond that. When you say buying time, essentially, what are the implications of that? Because as far as I'm concerned, frankly, it's one of two things. We forget about COVID and just go back to the office and deal with the realities of COVID because social distancing simply is not practical in South Africa's economy and structure of our geography. Or we try, however long it might take, to get it right so that when we do go back into the new normal, there's sufficient catering of social distancing. Your thoughts on that in the context of buying time? Uh, look, I mean, it's a difficult question you're asking. Um, I don't think anyone's actually got the answers to it. Mm. I mean, because you look at most reports, most of the transmissions come from at home or in public transport. Um, if you go to any township, any informal area, any backyard resident, there's no social distancing there. It's impossible. You know? Um, how do you have social distancing in an in informal area? You can't, exactly. Um, you can't. And also, many people are not catered for by the economic relief measures provided for by government. If you, yeah, many people are not under UAF. Even those who, who are under UAF are struggling to access the money. Correct. Um, so, yeah, it's a very, very difficult thing. We, we cannot sustain a shutdown forever. That's why we, we think we really need to ramp up the health measures quickly so that we can get the economy moving again. Um, and, you know, the difference between level four and level three could be a million jobs. Um, I think we've got a few more weeks before which we need to start moving again. When you say, sorry, um, sorry to interrupt you, Matthew, I need to interrogate that. When you say between level four mm-hmm. and three, there are a million jobs, what do you mean by that? And again, look, I think we must take all of the economists' kind of projections with a, with a, a degree of a pinch of salt, you know, not, not to be yes. funny, but I think all of us are kind of yes. feeling in the dark here. Um, but some of the reports we've seen from government have said, look, <clears throat> with level four, you might lose about two to three million jobs. With level three, you might lose about a million less jobs. I um, see. Again, that's, it's, it's, they're trying to be educated estimate. Take it all with a pinch of salt. But look, we are losing significant amount of jobs right now. Um, so far, about 1.6 million people, new uh, recipients have received unemployment insurance benefits. It's difficult to know, is that permanent retrenchment or is it just temporary layoffs or is it just workers who've been put on unpaid leave claiming these benefits? But whatever it is, it's a very alarming amount. And we won't know until full-scale economic activity has resumed, yes? But if you look at other countries, in the United States, where unemployment has jumped from 3% to 14%, they've lost about 30 million jobs in a month, you know? Um, It's very worrying figures. We're already at 40% unemployment. Many economists have predicted we'll push up to 50% unemployment. These are not kind of figures we can afford to sustain. And... um, you know, a hungry person, an unemployed person won't listen to you forever on a, on a lockdown. He needs to find a job. He needs to take care of his family. So we really need to ramp up the community health screening and testing, providing um, isolated facilities for those who are infected to be properly isolated, not to infect their families. The, tra- the trains are a disaster. Metro Rail couldn't even get permission to, to reopen in level four because they don't have a decent health and safety plan on table. Um, the taxes, as you said, are very worrying. They've got nice commitments on, on a piece of paper. But you and I know the reality of taxes is a very different reality, you know. 
buses is a little bit better, but still, it's quite worrying. Um, so it's, it's extremely difficult. Um, we think we have to bite the bullet. We have to make sure workers have got the PPEs in place. And even now, under Level 5 and Level 4, it's been quite worrying how many workers have been infected. Um, as you were saying before, many nurses and doctors are, are being hit. There's a huge amount of correctional service officers, um, supermarket retailer cashiers who are being hit. So it really is quite alarming how we're not properly prepared for this thing. And we don't think we have the luxury of time to sit and philosophize forever in a day. We have to move much faster. Government and businesses have to be much more decisive in ensuring workers have got PPEs, that there's sanitation, sort of sanitation, sanitization, there's social distancing. Oh, many employers need to be a bit more creative. Many workers, white-collar workers, can work from home. I'm going to ask you to hold that thought, um, sure. specifically the obligations that the employers have outside what government measures and regulations that are in place. What concurrent obligations does the employer itself hold? For those who have joined the conversation, it's 18 minutes past. <coughs> Mr. Matthew Park, Corsato's parliamentary coordinator, talking to us from a labor perspective as to whether or not SA is ready to open up shop. We're having a conversation largely directed at the interests, if not exclusively the interests of workers. And the question to you at home is, are you prepared to go back to work despite the challenges that South Africa as a society faces, despite the risks at a health level that are out there? Of course, we're asking this in the context of the economic situation that you are feeling right now at home. If I said to you, choose, do you want to go back? and just face the consequences of the risks attached to that? Or would you rather stay at home in the current setup with your current facts, which I don't know? Please share with us your thoughts. 0891-104-207, voice notes, 0614-104-107. Mr. Matthew Park does return. Matthew, for you specifically, when you say employers ought to be more decisive, in exact terms, what do you mean by that? Outside the provision, to the extent possible, of PPEs, what other more decisive action can employers take within the framework of either Level 4 or Level 5, which is a government mandate, an institution which <coughs> employers do not have a choice nor say in? Your thoughts after that, everybody. Tweet at SFM Radio and at Songhezumabete. Call Songhez or now, 0891-104-207. We're back. Matthew Park, your response, please, man. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, look, that's quite a critical question. So under the Occupational Health and Safety Act, it's, it says very clearly a worker cannot allow or force, sorry, not a worker, an employer, cannot allow mm -hmm. or permit a worker to do work without the necessary safety equipment. Yes. The disaster management regulations go further and say, there must be a health and safety plan in place for all workplaces. It must be engaged upon by the employer with workers and have the inputs and so on into it. Um, key to that is, is, as you said, that employers under the regulations have to provide the necessary protective equipment for those workers, such as the masks, the gloves, the, the shields, etc. There must be social distancing firmly in place in the workplace. Again, it might, might involve some of those plastic shields coming into effect, etc., um, but also, if there's a, an incident, someone's infected, there has to be a cleanup procedure there, kind of a shutdown, isolation procedure, etc. Um, we also think that employers need to go a bit further <clears throat> to provide for testing of workers frequently, provide for screening of workers and customers um, regularly, not just to kind of take chances. 
because you can get an infection at any time so addiction to control. Um, but also we think that some employers can be creative and should be creative where it's possible to look at um, a, a spreading of the shift system so some industries can come to work earlier than other industries to help reduce traffic congestion. But also even at the workplace, you could have spreading of working hours, different shifts to kind of reduce the amount of people at one place at one time. And again, many employers can provide her to work from home such as your white-collar workers, your office workers, people who work with computers, basically, um, can do a lot of their work from home to help release the congestion on the roads. But we've also asked employers, and we've been having daily engagements in NEDLAC with government employers to say, are there some workplaces where the employer assists their workers with alternative transport to the workplace? Because it's all well and fine if the workplace is clean and safe, etc. But if your workers are coming using trains or taxis or buses which are heavily infected, They'll come to work sick and they'll affect everybody. So you might find in some workplaces there is a possibility of the employer and the workers um, towards a shuttle service, which we must more, much more tightly managed. But look, that obviously de- depends upon the size and the location of the, of the, of the, empl- the place of work, the amount of workers, where do they live and so on. But you really think we need to have a new spirit of solidarity where we all assist each other. Let me interrupt you there. You're right. It does need a spirit of solidarity, but the more I listen to you, the more I think that for a majority of small enterprises who are literally one day away from going under or are now dealing with potential liquidation, a lot of these proposals that you have said are just simply not practical nor feasible. Generally speaking, our economy is still very much through interface. I'm seeing you, we're having that discussion, or I'm coming to you for a meeting, or we are exchanging on email, but that is followed up soon by a meeting. I'm talking about now the quartetary services space. Much less when you go down to your mining and manufacturing, it simply needs me to have my pickaxe or my shovel in the earth doing that work. Now, all of this that you have said, for my part, it assumes a lot of money on the part of the employer and substitutability in terms of how that product is ultimately arrived at, which for South Africa's economy, small as it is, is simply not quite there. So for a majority of the cases, that is still probably not practical for the ordinary employer in the country. How's, how, how fair an assessment is that in your view? Look, I mean, it, it's, it's yes or no. I mean, some workplaces can afford to do it. Often they can just simply put, in, put a bit of a distance between the cashier and the consumer or the customer. They can provide their workers with a cloth mask, which are about, you know, 20 rand, etc. So some things can be done quite quickly. Um, other places, you're right. It's a, it's a very small company. It's already hanging by a thread, if it will even survive, and they might really struggle. Um, the mining industry also has varied conditions. Some conditions, they can manage it quite easily, depending on the type of mine, how deep the mine is, etc. But uh, look, I think every single part of the economy right now is on its knees. Um, we have to be very creative. Government on its own can't afford to cover everything. So we also need to see parts of the private sector showing solidarity with each other. The banks have got to come to the party in a much more decisive way to provide the needed financial relief to those SMEs, to those sectors of the economy, so they can afford to make the necessary investments. Um, I think you've seen the amount of money that's been provided to government, to SMEs, which is about 500 million rand to other companies, which is about 2 billion rand. And to be honest with you, whilst government is, is heavily overstretched, that's a drop in the ocean 
when some figures in the economy predict that we're losing up to 14 billion rand a day with a shutdown. Um, so that the tasks are huge, they're ginormous. Um, I think we did welcome that uh, the, the economic relief measures announced by the president, which were about 500 billion rand in different intervention points, from the Reserve Bank to the UAF, etc. It's it's not enough. We have to go much further. And we really have to think out of the box. Um, we can't simply depend upon government to cover everything. We need to see how can we tap into the private sector. And it's good that government is looking at international funding to see where can we bring additional revenue into the country. Um, so really, it has to be all hands on deck. Um, we have to be in this together if we want to save the economy, save people's lives. Otherwise, we won't just be in the recession that we were in before the shutdown. We'll be in a long-term economic depression. Let me just take some contributions. First, the voice notes, please. And then I'll read a couple of messages that have also come through on our WhatsApp portal. And then I'll go to Lady Kosi on our Twitter page. Thank you, Brafini. The voice notes. Good, good evening, SAFM. I will say I, will, I want to go to work because since March, I'm sitting at home. I'm a regular payer of my YF fund. Until now, my boss didn't send us money or he didn't he didn't ap- apply for us for the UIF benefit too. We don't get any help from the government. We don't get any food parcels from the NGO. So why must I sit in my family and I am hungry and there is no, no, no food to eat? So yes, I would rather uh, sacrifice my life for my kids and my family rather than die of hunger. Hello, Sonia, so, and your guest there. Uh, I really think the president should let us now get back to, to, to our work areas. Although I was not working, I was, I was volunteering and things were promising. But now sitting here at home is really so frustrating. And Sasa has just made my frustration even more with their not working WhatsApp number. It's not working, it's just a crazy robot which has no direction. That's Jordan from Kuruman. Yeah. Hi, Songezo. Straight to the point. I'd rather stay at home with my children, equally not going to school. Another one. Good evening, Songezo. Question to your guest, and that's for you, Matthew. What is Gosato doing to support the mental health of its workers? Those on the front line, petrol attendants, etc., and those who are facing the near reality of losing their jobs. Secondly, how frequent... Has COSATU been engaging with its members to educate them about COVID, how to keep safe, and the possible future expectations? That's anonymous in Bloemfontein. Lady Kosi, or Kosi92, as the case may be on Twitter, says, Please open the economy. One, companies need to provide PPEs. Two, deep cleaning every three days. These are proposals in terms of opening the economy from the lady. Three, those who can work from home do so. Four, Social distancing must be kept and avoid crowded spaces. Five, preach about safety every hour. Well, from the response of five or six, three are saying, let's get the economy going. And what is COSATU doing for its membership? Your responses, please. Yeah, no, no, thanks. I think all the callers gave very useful and comments. Um, I couldn't disagree with a single one of them. Look, I think in terms of COSATU and our affiliate unions, um, because people join the affiliate union, whether it's SATU for teachers or pop group for police officers, etc. Um, so our unions have been working throughout the shutdown period um, to help members and workers in general to access the UAF fund, 
to apply on their behalf. Um, they've been engaging quite a lot of public education work with workers to make sure they are safe, um, they are safe, and so on. Many of, of Crusaders members actually have been working throughout the period. Um, so members in the retail sector, like shoprite checkers, pick and pay workers, have been working. Police officers, nurses, teachers, and also not teachers, um, nurses and doctors have been working. Prison wardens, many public servants. So they've been doing quite a bit. Um, we've had a lot of engagements and, in fact, at times fights, even in court battles, to get pe- protective equipment to frontline workers. Um, this period actually has been a quite a, a hectic period for most trade unionists, even outside of Kosatu, where they've actually been having to work 24-7 to take up the many issues of the members, from lost wages to being retrenched, put on unpaid leave, uh, even workers getting affected and so on. But look, that is a, that's the job of the unions. Um, there's still a lot more work that needs to be done. And we agree with the callers that we need to get people back to work as soon as it's safely possible. Mm. And even beyond that, the COVID is not going to disappear simply because you move from a level four to level three or level two, etc. It's going to be around. So we've really got to have all of us adjusting psychologically and practically to the, no, the new COVID reality. Um, similar to what happened in Cape Town with the water crisis. You have to adjust to the new reality. You cannot control it. You have to adapt to it. You've got no control over when it will end. Mm. And you can mute to something else. You might find we'll get a vaccination only in a year's time, etc. So we think we need to really emphasize on the health and safety measures. But it's difficult. I mean, it's going to be very difficult for for school learners especially, and for teachers at schools. Um, it is quite worrying how unprepared we are in many instances, you know. Um, but we have to do it. We've got to bite the bullet and find out how to transform and adjust it. Uh, on the sorry, final question to you on the question of biting the bullet, and I'm asking this question. Let me just read um, Abiso Ngalo's um, message to us. Abiso, please confirm this to us. Abiso Mtata goes on to say, "Good evening, Bungane, and to Mrs. Pox, Mr. Pox, I beg your pardon. As much as it's not nice to stay at home doing nothing, I can guarantee you, Songezo, many people would have wanted to go back to work amidst this pandemic, but due to lack of appetite and enthusiasm from employers to put rigorous and stringent safety measures in place, raises an alarm, and for that reason, employees find it difficult for them to expose themselves in such a situation. Perhaps if I can just corroborate that and sort of dovetail with the position of how ready generally is South Africa's workspace to deal with now the heart of what lies in the Compensation of Occupational Injuries and Disease Act, COID? Because, first of all, we need money for that. And secondly, how ready are South Africa's workspaces to truly engage that as part of the basic conditions of employment, which include but are not limited to providing a workspace that generally is safe? And, of course, when I say that you must think of labor inspectors who will then have their hands tied and their work cut out in making sure that the new reality is attended to in line with BCEA and COIDA and what Utlabiso is talking about. No, look, I mean, that's a critical question. Um, to be honest with you, I don't think most, most workplaces are safe already yet, um, partly because this is an unknown territory for many people, partly because, as you said before, many employers are battling themselves to survive or they've, they're even collapsing because they've been shut down for two months, have had no revenue. But there are also many employers, managers, who have simply been negligent. The fact that we've had dozens of retail supermarkets having to close down because they didn't provide the necessary um, health and safety plans and necessary protective equipment for the workers um, is, is completely shocking and unacceptable. 
But look, we have a choice. We can continue to lament and complain, or we can fight to get things fixed, and we have to do it together. There's no way that workers can do this on their own. The employer has to play a role. But equally, government must be much more organized. For many years, government um, departments have been saying their way, the headcount of the public service is too high, the wage bill is too high. We're now seeing that the, the hollowness of that argument, because now you raise the good issue of the, of the labor inspectors. We've only got about 1,400 labor inspectors for the entire country. And even out of them, only about two to 400 are actually health and safety inspectors. Now, how will they possibly cover 1.6 million places of employment? It'll be a physical impossibility. So we really need to reconfigure the state, rebuild its capacity to help enforce these new laws. Occupational health and safety enforcements were often neglected and afterthought by government, by employers, and now we realize the deadly consequences of doing that. So we have to adjust to this new energy and do so very, very quickly before we lose lives like we've seen in Europe and the United States. Mm, okay. One more voice note, which is a question to you. Please listen to it, and then your response will be the final contribution and discussion on this matter. Hi, Songezo. Um, Can you guys also focus on the so-called white-collar workers. If you look at the household debt in this country, you can see that it's not just the blue-collar workers that need relief during this time. The government can for now at least reduce the employees' tax they're taking from us because we are facing higher prices. Most of us have got side hustles that have been affected by COVID-19. So when you have these conversations, talk about all workers you know, not just the blue-collar workers. We all need help. Final comments, Mr. Park. Yeah, no, no, she raises a fantastic point. Um, so that's what we've been saying, for example, white-collar workers who use computers, for example, can easily work from home. Employers must provide them with the necessary tools, a laptop, cell phone, data, etc. That's one easy intervention for most employers who are white-collar workers. But also we've been saying around debt relief for payment holidays for all types of workers, middle class, working class, etc. We've been having engagements with the banks. The big five banks have provided various um, loan and payment holidays for about three months to people battling because of the shutdown. We've not been quite happy that they still will charge people interest during that three-month holiday. That not all workers qualify, that only consumers in good standing would qualify. But at least there was some response in that part. Mm. But we've been quite disappointed that other financial lenders, especially your short-term and your payday lenders, have not come to the party. What's also been quite shocking, and we're still engaging with them, is the insurance companies. They've made huge profits by having massively reduced amount of motor accident claims, um, home burglary claims, yet they've not provided any meaningful relief to consumers. And this is really what we need right now in South Africa is to show solidarity from every part of the economy. It can't simply be government, which provides, it cannot be workers who sacrifice all the time alone. Yeah. The private sector has to show solidarity, and even within the private sector, to small businesses, etc., so that we can save them and we can save workers' jobs. Fantastic. I'll leave it there. There are lots of persons who are contributing to this, and I think just to give them the credibility, I will read all of their contributions towards the end of this hour or at the beginning of the new hour because we have to move on. Matthew, thank you so much for your time and the candidness by which you responded and dealt with the issues raised. Thank you for having me. Matthew Ponk, Gosato's parliamentary coordinator, talking to us about Gosato's position in terms of either the scaling down or what needs to be done, largely predicated on reopening the economy and the conditions that should attend to that.